Welcome to All Things in the Name of Love. If you like this show, please like, subscribe, and share. Thanks. Today I have with me a beautiful soul, as you can already tell by his energy, if you're tuned in at all, uh, Corey Rosensky. Am I saying that right? That's pretty close. Close enough. Yep. Well, I don't like, what is it? Rosenki. Rosenki. Okay, perfect. Because everybody mispronounces my last name. So I just want to make sure. I met him recently uh, through a service that I use, Podmatch, and I tuned into his energy. I'm like, oh yeah, I just gotta like, and then I went through his bio um, again today. And the words that nabbed me and pulled me in were insatiable curiosity. Um, one of my favorite books as a child was The Elephant's Child by Rudyard Kipling. Mm. And it's all about this. And it's kind of like, now I read it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of violent. But like at the time, this little elephant was insatiably curious and he always asked questions. Mm -hmm. And that was me. And I always wanted to know why, why is there separation and your question was, why did humans do what they do? So I wanted to like dive into that, like that really early knowingness mm -hmm. that you had and how that shaped you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I would say that I was born that little boy that was asking the question, why? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was raised very poor um, in British Columbia, Canada. Um, we lived in the in the mountains um, for a while. We were homeless, oh, wow. just camping beside different lakes, living in tents. And um, so I didn't grow up um, like a lot of people in my generation with holidays to Disneyland and video game consoles and mm -hmm. organized sports and things like that. that th those weren't available to me. So what I did was I wandered the mountainside with my dog and with my book. And um, I... I looked at the world through the lens of someone wondering why not, and not, not a why as in like, Oh, why me? Like not a grievous why, right. but a why that's just, why is my family different than other families? Mm -hmm. You know, why is it that the other kids who have so much that I don't have, they aren't happier than I am. Mm -hmm. You know, when, why, why do my parents make the decisions they make? I remember very specifically actually sitting with my dad um, during the first Iraq war, I can't remember what it was called now, Desert Storm or some such thing, mm -hmm. um, sitting around the radio and they were broadcasting what was happening. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a television, so we were just listening over to the radio. Yeah. And I remember for night after night, dad and I would sit late into the dark um, listening to the radio. Mm -hmm. And again, just that curiosity rising, why? What's happening? And why is it happening? Right. And and I often I often say if I kind of give you the short version of a long story, I often say that that why that question of why really first led me to philosophy mm -hmm. and from a very from a very young age. I was I was big time into the philosophers and Aristotle and Plato and Confucius and Marcus Aurelius, who is one of my favorites, far underrated as a philosopher, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but you, you, I quickly learned you don't find the why in in um in that type of endeavor, right? In philosophy, you find, in fact, I, I would almost say that the purpose of philosophy is to ask the question why, to stimulate more thinking as opposed to giving us answers. Of mm -hmm. course, there are some nuance there. Ultimately, you know, philosophy led me to psychology, just wanting to, uh, you know, again, wanting to understand people and thinking that I could understand people through psychology. And um, I think psychology is fantastic. I love psychology. But again, you, you quickly realize it doesn't answer the question of why. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a while there, I was really into Freud, right? When, when you think of Freud, you think of his whole concept about the development of personality and the, the id and the ego and the superego and all these crazy things that Freud right. had to say. Um, and um, But again, you don't find the why in philosophy. And I think that's important for us to realize because I think a lot of people on Earth right now are looking for the why there. Right. Um, and then that led me to neuroscience. And again, what a fascinating study and what a beneficial study to understand, you know, from a, a biological organic way, the incredible impact of neuroplasticity, right? How our brain can literally change shape, you know, through trauma or through self-discipline or, mm -hmm. you know, you know, both the positive and the negative sense, right. brain chemicals. You know, mm -hmm. dopamine, serotonin, how they how they affect us. Yeah. But again, we don't find the answer to the question of why. To me, when when in my journey, when I looked at philosophy, psychology, neuroscience, 
what I realized was these are the study of mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense where imagine if you're looking at a car, you'd never seen a car before in your life mm-hmm. um, and it just appeared in front of you. You know, philosophy would be like inspecting the curve of the hood or the curvature of the doors and the mirrors. And psychology would be looking at, you know, the uh, the tie rod ends and the drivetrain and how things move. And neuroscience would be looking at the elect- electrical system, right? And all those finer connecting points. Mm-hmm. However, at the end of the day, that car, no matter how beautiful it is, sits there and does nothing except for the driver, mm-hmm. right? And so to me, when we're looking again at philosophy, psychology, neuroscience, we're studying mechanism, we're studying the car. Mm-hmm. But if we really want to understand the magic of that car, we need to understand the driver, what and who is in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Because without that person in the driver's seat, you can't go forward or back, you can't go left or right. Right. And I believe that so many of us are looking for answers in the mechanism. Mm-hmm. And... um. And we unfortunately, we we don't find it there, which has left us with a great deal of angst. And when we look at our culture and our society today, we see a lot of angst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the gifts that I have been shown repeatedly in my life, especially over the past year, is um, if I go outside and I'm like, okay, well, what if, you know, projecting in the future, because uh, I've had the gift of vision for many, many years, my inner self says, what do you need in this moment? I'm like nothing like then why are you looking outside damn it but 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 i'm curious because it's a curiosity yeah and that innate curiosity of like for me it was it was like when i was little um i had an experience where i walked into a flock of canadian geese and they surrounded me and they were like essentially talking to me like not with language but like energetically my parents are standing outside the circle and they're guarding me from my parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these are my friends, right? They're my friends. Like, I don't care what they look like. They're my friends. And my parents like finally get me out and like, don't ever do that again. I'm like, but, but they're my friends. Like, why would I, why would I pull myself away from beings that love me and see me for who I am? And so my quest, I, I got a PhD in cultural studies, trying to understand why there's separation and how separation is created. Well, you can only take that so far. Same thing with philosophy. You can only take it so far. And then you have to go within yeah. to find that the separation is the self from the self. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's so interesting to like see the different angles of, of self-discovery that ultimately like there's, once I reconnected with my heart, it was the anxiety went away. Yeah. Well, I think you just used the magic word there too, I think, which is self-discovery. It's an adventure that very few of us travel very far on. And yet if we are if we are truly going to find peace and happiness, it's a journey we have to make. Yeah. So, I, you know, as I mentioned, the I didn't find the why in philosophy or psychology or neuroscience. What you, you have to move deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe we've had, we have, if we truly want to find the answers of, you know, our deepest questions, we have to look at the soul. We have to look at the core of who we are. And honestly, I believe we live in a world today that has forgotten what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's as silly as that sounds. We, our whole culture, and I think most of your listeners would be able to relate to this, um, our family lives even, it revolves around catering to the cravings of the body and the brain. And because of that, we we come to think that all we are is bodies and brains. Right. Right. When the core of who we are is spiritual. I, I always say we three, we're three-part beings, body, mind, and soul. But all of our cultural energy is being spent towards catering to the biological, you know, to the brain and the body. Right. And meanwhile, our souls are starving to death. I had an experience this summer where I was uh, up at Orcas Island and I found a spot where I could watch the sunset on the ocean for two hours a day. I reset everything in me to the point where like, I don't like, if I'm not outside every single day and I've always loved the outside, but like that being able to just like be present to the sun setting with the ocean with nothing going on. It just, it, it was like, oh, this is why I'm alive. Yeah. 
you know, it has nothing to do with the doing or the, or the external. It's like what really pulls me in and it's the interconnectedness with everything mm-hmm. that we've forgotten. Like trees talk to me. Yeah. Um, well, and I think you, you, like, like you mentioned, you should feel blessed because what I, what I desire for people is to be able to get to that point where they realize that that's what they need. Yeah. But more often what happens in society is we, we've traded in true peace and happiness for entertainment. Right. And for a dopamine rush. And for a lot of people, they get when they get into that quiet place of realizing all these biological, you know, things around me aren't giving me the fulfillment that the commercial told me they would give me, that the school, you know, my professor told me they would give me, that that my government told me they would give me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but rather than rather than pushing into what you did. Okay. Well, where is it then? How can I calm myself? How can I, how can I actually look for the answer? We just watch a Netflix series, yeah. right? We just, we just turn on the music. We like, we traded peace and happiness for entertainment and it's not a good trade-off. No, it's not. I often think of it, think of it this way, Sophia, we live in a time, this is, it's an amazing thought to me. We live in a time of unprecedented prosperity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and by that, I mean, never before in the history of mankind has a generation like the generations alive today been granted such unfettered access to wealth opportunities, to education, to entertainment, to leisure, to comfort, uh, to freedoms, to world travel. We have more than any other generation in the history of the world. And yet virtually every study shows that we're more unhappy than ever. Right. And we think, how is it that we've accumulated all of this stuff and yet we still find ourselves discontent? And I think the reason is because we've, there's been a, um, I don't, I don't want to call it a lie, but a misconception that has been propagated throughout time for thousands of years, perhaps even, that says, if you just get to the top of that educational mountain, you'll have peace. Right. right? Or if you get to the top of that sexual mountain, you'll have peace. Or that academic mountain or whatever the social mountain, whatever the mountain is. And ours is the generation who has reached the summit and we've discovered there's nothing there. Right. And so, and so our culture is filled with depression, mm-hmm. anxiety. Oh yeah. Um, despite being more educated than we've ever been, it's filled with confusion. Oh yeah. And I would even say below the surface, most of us can sense a building rage like I mentioned, there is an angst, there is a rage that is taking place. And this, despite the fact that we are the most prosperous generation in the history of the man of mankind. Well, it's and ultimately based, it's based on illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately I believe it's because we've been catering to the cravings of the body and the brain, mm-hmm. but our souls are starving to death because we've forgotten who we are. Right. Right. It, this is so true because I remember when I, I, you know, I graduate in 2006, I get my PhD. I'm like, yes, well, you know, it's the whole ego thing, like gained hundred pounds my last year because I was like forcing myself to do it. And then nothing crickets. I couldn't get a job for love or money. Um, I ended up working at LL Bean picking orders for Christmas for three months, which helped me lose 70 pounds. But like, like that was the best I could do. Like, so I spent 14 years in college under the illusion that I'd yeah. finish and something magical would happen. Yeah. And the only thing magical that happened was I saw through the illusion that that would make me happy. And I'm grateful for that because I saw through the illusion of it. And I've since seen all the programs yeah. and certifications as like part of that illusion, but like, it didn't make me happy. The day after I defended my dissertation, I kayaked for three hours because my body so needed to be outside. That was the clue, right? That was yeah. a clue. like. You spend all this time in academia and what brings you joy being out on water, being out, being outside, like I got sunburned and everything and I didn't care because I was like, this is what my soul needs. Yeah. Not the stuff, not titles, not the whatever's that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What matters is what brings this beingness joy. Yeah. Absolutely. and that's why I'm on such a mission, Sophia, to remind people that more than a brain or a body, you are a soul. Yeah. But but then not to leave it there, because mm-hmm. I think that 
I think oftentimes when we use the phrase soul, we use it too ambiguously. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes I will use the phrase instead of soul, I will say our non-biological selves. That is that, that part of us that exists beyond biology. And it is the core part of who we yeah. are. It yep. is the seat of our personality. It is the seat of our deepest ambitions and desires. And if we're going to find peace, as you mentioned, we have to, we ha we're going to find it in the soul. Yeah. And so my whole mission has been, first off, to try to convince people once again that, number one, you have a soul. Number two, your soul isn't some, like, mute passenger that's just, you know, mm -hmm. connected to the flesh right now and right. doesn't become activated till you die. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us live that way. Your mm -hmm. soul is the core of who you are at this very moment. Right. And your soul is looking for, just like your body, just like your brain, it's craving something. And it is those cravings that are propelling each one of us through life and time. Mm -hmm. And it, it transcends uh, gender, generation. It, it it transcends ethnicity or country country of origin, education. We are all souls, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, in search of satisfaction. Right. And and so my one of my goals has been to try to bring definition to these terms too. Mm -hmm. So that, that because when we when we have definition, we that we can finally know what we're looking for. Yeah. Right. I, I've written a book called The Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul. Mm -hmm. And the desire is to try to help people understand, really, at the end of the day, this is what you're looking for. Right. I love that. Because ultimately, think of it. We live in a world like the soul, ambiguous term. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, peace. Oftentimes, it's an ambiguous term. It is. To, to, to a certain degree, we think that we define each individually what peace is. I don't believe that's the case. When you look throughout history and time, I believe that uh, that um, peace has five core prerequisites, and they happen to be the cravings of the soul. Happiness, again, we self-define it oftentimes. I don't think we can do that. I think I think it's more helpful to understand happiness requires five core prerequisites, and mm -hmm. they happen to be the cravings of the soul. And so my my intent is trying to be to help people, regardless of who they are and where they are, yeah. right? Some of us are people of faith. Some of us um, are people of organized religion. Others are people of a little bit less organized sense. Others of us, um, you know, already aren't even thinking in the spiritual at all, right? Mm -hmm. But regardless of where you are in your journey. You know, my interest isn't to try to pull people to one perspective of it or another. What I want to do is help people realize at the end of the day, you are a soul. This is what you're looking for. And mm -hmm. now that you know what you're looking for, you have a chance of finding it. Because as long as it's ambiguous, it's like grasping around in the dark. Right. 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 And um, like it's, 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 it's a set of tools from what I'm, from what I'm hearing. Yeah. It's a set of tools to help you navigate into yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've long since given up on writing a bio because for me, it's like this morning, as an example, I bake sourdough bread. That brings me joy. Is that who I am? No, it's a gift that my soul loves to have. Like just a gift. I love baking in small increments. And so that's an expression of my soul. I love being with animals. Mm -hmm brings me so much joy. And that's another aspect of me. It's not mm -hmm. like I can't define me because me is bigger than any one aspect of me. It's the sum total of all those aspects that I know and that I don't know yet. And that's the joy for me is to shift that understanding of trying to fit myself in categories to define myself for other beings when I'm just this expression of me coming through in a given moment for different aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the reason that understanding yourself in this way, in the, in this case, the five cravings of the soul, um, it really helps because it helps you explore as mm -hmm. an example, why it is that you're drawn to animals, right? Why it is you're drawn to, um, would you, what kind of bread did you say? Sourdough. Sourdough, yeah, which is my favorite bread for toast. Um, <laughs> I do. And so, and so for me, I'm, I'll just go over them quickly just so your listeners have an idea on what I'm talking yeah. about. I, again, I'm about definition and I don't want to leave people ambiguous. Um, and of course, in the book, I go into great detail, but I'll just yeah. kind of punch through them. Uh, 
the first one, and these aren't in order of like ranking or importance. That's just the way they're all equally, um, equally um, large in our lives. The first one is security. Mm -hmm. Every human being on earth is looking for security. And when I say security, I mean it basically on two levels, physical security, mm -hmm. which is what we would call our survival instinct mm -hmm. um, and relational security. That is to say, we all need to know that our hearts are safe in the hands of those who hold them. Mm -hmm. And I've often heard people say that your survival instinct is the most powerful of all instincts. And I would argue, I would argue that largely because there are a whole lot of us that would willingly risk our physical security in order to strengthen our relational security with someone. Mm -hmm. And and that's not a psychological craving. It's deeper. Yeah. It it's in it's in the soul. And and all of us, we may pursue security in different places. You know, I'll oftentimes share the story of, you know, just, let's say that there's um, a Sam. You know, Sam grew up in a volatile home. And he developed a coping mechanism to find security in, in being invisible. Mm -hmm. He never steps forward to take leadership. He's the guy that always wants to stay in the background, stay out of the limelight, because that's where he feels safe. Mm -hmm. Right? Meanwhile, Juliet, who also grew up in an unstable home, um, has to take control, has to be the boss, has to control everything around her. Again, why? Because that's how she's trying to feel safe, mm -hmm. right? And they both chose completely different methods of pursuit, but they're both pursuing security. Right, right. right. And then secondly is identity. And I always say identity asks four symbiotic questions. Who am I? Why am I? Do I have value? Do I have purpose? And again, you can have all the security in the world, but if you don't know who you are, you won't have peace. Mm -hmm. It's a prerequisite. And again, this is not a psychological craving. It's deeper. It's in the soul. Right. In fact, the craving for identity makes no sense from a biological um, viewpoint, right? And yet none of us can escape it. Mm -hmm. We all have to have a sense of who we are. A security, identity, independence. And I, I break independence down again into two parts. There's the freedom aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like William Wallace, you know, the, the demand for free, you may take our lives, but you will never take our freedom, you know, mm -hmm. aspect. We need to feel that we are in some way autonomous. Yes. And that's why prison is a punishment in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Just being confined, having that freedom taken away mm -hmm. is a punishment to our soul. You know, right. in that sense, right. we are craving independence, but it's not just freedom. It's also the, the craving for individuality. Mm -hmm. And that is, to, I need to know that I'm distinct. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we may want to connect for for um, security reasons or even identity reasons. But at the same time, at some point, we're going to have to know we're distinct and we need people to understand that even those identical twins that love wearing the same sweaters. Right. Or, or they love getting the same haircuts. At some point, they all come to a place where they have to have something that sets them apart as distinct. Otherwise, we feel redundant. We feel unseen, unuseful. Um, security, identity, independence, significance. Mm -hmm. We all need to feel like we are special in some way. Mm -hmm. um, not just distinct, but special, right? And for some people, um, you know, Usain Bolt, right now he's the fastest man who's ever run the 100 meter dash. And the day is probably going to come someday where someone beats that and he's going to have an identity crisis, number one, right. Right. <laughs> and a significance crisis, number two. If he doesn't find a better place to find significance right. for someone else, it's just, they feel like I make the best sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it's, you know, it's something that makes them feel special. We have to have that. Right. And number, number five, innocence. Mm -hmm. We are all craving innocence mm -hmm. and, and not just innocence doesn't just say, um, I'm not guilty, but it, it says I am, I am good. Even I am righteous. And just think of this, Sophia, basically almost every argument you've ever had or any offense you've ever taken happened because you felt that someone um, subtly or not so subtly was accusing you of wrongdoing or wrong thinking. Mm. And they triggered that innocence button in you. Mm -hmm. And we have basically two main choices when that happens. We either have to run away because we can't be around someone who makes us feel guilty. Right. I don't know what happened. Sorry. I was like, oh, now you're gone. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you just froze there for a moment when I was talking about significance. And so, yeah. It was, so let's, yeah. let's, let's go through that again because that's important. Um, sure. Oh, I actually, was, we were on it was innocence. Innocence. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was saying that um, basically every argument you've ever had or any offense you've ever taken 
happened because you felt that someone was subtly or not so subtly accusing you of wrongdoing mm -hmm. or wrong thinking and that they triggered that innocence nerve in your soul. And you have two choices at that point in time. We're either going to run away and flee because we can't be around someone who makes us feel guilty mm -hmm. or we fight. And generally the way we fight is we accuse them of greater wrongdoing because mm -hmm. we don't, we don't have to feel completely innocent or I don't have to feel completely innocent. I just need to feel more innocent than you are. Right. And so you say, Hey, Corey, you left your socks on the floor. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Right. Well, you left all the dishes on the counter yesterday. Right. right? And, and the righteousness wars begin, mm. you know, and when we look at the world around us and what they call cancel culture, I think a lot of it has to do with this craving for innocence. Yeah. Um, this craving because the flip side of the craving for innocence is the craving um, for a righteousness to feel like we are good. We are right. And so these are, we have these cravings, Security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. I believe those are the five cravings of the soul. These are not psychological cravings. They are deeper. This is what your soul is looking for. And they are what we are looking for in love, security, identity, independence. independence. You know, we, we want to have that connection, but not so much that it infringes on independence, mm -hmm. security, I mean, significance, and innocence. Yeah. They're what could drive us towards relationship or marriage, mm -hmm. hoping to discover them there. They're what drive us away because right. we didn't discover them there. Right. They're what make us decide, I'm going to get that PhD or that doctorate or whatever it is, right? And they're what, they what, they're what make us realize, oh my goodness, I thought happiness was going to be found when I hung this diploma on my wall and I didn't find it. Right. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's the same thing. Too. Think of this. I saw an interview with Elon Musk a few months ago. The richest man who ever existed, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. And the interviewer asked him, are you happy? Simple question to the richest man on earth. Mm -hmm. There's nothing he can't have right. when it comes to things on earth. And he was paused for a moment in, in his Elon type way. Yeah. And, um, and then he said, I don't think many people would want to be me. And you think, wow. Because I've always thought if I could just get a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. If I could just get a little bit more respect, a little more fame, a little more sex, a little more, whatever it would be, right, right. I would be happy. It's like, no, no, yeah. you won't. And the reason, the reason why you won't is because you cannot satisfy a non-biological craving with biological things. Mm -hmm. In order to satisfy a non-biological craving, it has to be satisfied with non-biological things. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. because we've forgotten what it means to be human, we have completely disconnected ourselves from non-biological things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Although I, I I know for a fact that um, when I reconnect with all that is, like especially in nature, I have this sense of more than me. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a deep, deep yeah. level of awareness that... I lose the biological self in a sense. I mean, I'm still in my body, but like yeah. it, 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 it harkens to the deeper sense of self. Yeah. When I go, and especially for me, when I go into nature and I'm present with nature and uh, the gift I have, especially with cedars um, where they like, I'll, I'll hear them ask me to communicate with them in a nonverbal mm -hmm. language Mm -hmm. And then I know whatever exchange is happening is for both of us. And that makes me remember that I'm not just my body. There's something greater in me yeah. that loves that interconnectivity with the non, I mean, since everything's energy and everything's interconnected, right. that reminds me of that. And that brings me great deep peace in my soul. Um, yeah. And it reminds me, my, my understanding of innocence is with it was, like I have not lost my innate innocence within myself. Mm -hmm. um, I have guarded it fiercely mm -hmm. um, because that's what lights me up. That's what, that's what helps me remember who I am mm -hmm. um, because it's the joy mm -hmm. of my little girl. Whenever I see Turkey is my voice raises four octaves because I get so excited about it. Mm -hmm. That tells me that that part of me, that that part of my soul, that that deeper sense of the me that I am, 
pulls me into those directions more and more because that's where I find the deep, the deep levels of peace that my soul craves. Right. No, I hear you. And and what, what I think I hear you saying um, is that like when you, you mentioned you love animals mm-hmm. again, it's not that a biological animal then somehow satisfies and bring you peace, but into but coming into connection with these other creatures and other animals awakens you mm-hmm. that there is more than you, than who just what you are. There's something bigger. There's mm-hmm. something mysterious. There's something awesome that we all have that privilege of being connected with. Yeah. And it can't, and that feeling cannot be replaced by a bigger balance in your bank account, mm-hmm. right. Or by a smaller number on the way scale, right. you know, it, it, it cannot be, um, you, you can't um, trade it for anything else. Oh. No, I mean, I love my body. I take care of my body yeah. because it is the vessel through which yeah. I express yeah. myself. And I know the difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, I can take care of myself. I can adorn myself with whatever I want. At the end of the day, though, having, I'll give an example, having a cat sit on my lap for an hour, just being present with me while I'm reading a book. Oh, man, that makes me happy because right. I'm being present with that being who's exchanging energy with me and feeling that that heart connection with that being yeah that's what brings me joy right yeah it brings you a sense of there's a sense of security to it Mm -hmm. there's a sense of connected identity Mm -hmm. um we call it's called idm in psychological circles a connected identity between you know two parts or or greater parts um absolutely um there are times when you when you can feel like special, mm-hmm. you know that that this oh, yeah. creature this creature loves me, and then of course, uh, your cat or your dog or your horse um, never tries to make you feel guilty, right? Right. right. And so oftentimes, I, I believe that that's why there is often there is the the draw to animals is oftentimes strong because oftentimes we can feel. Um, these cravings of our soul can, to a certain degree, I think that ultimately we, because you're human and I'm human, there's no greater connection than the connection that we could have if it was a healthy connection, mm-hmm. right? But the truth of the matter is we don't, we live in a world of unhealthy connect, connections for the most part, right? right? And that's ultimately what, I mean, even when we think of the concept of good and evil, I think that we can see that in the cravings of the soul. Mm-hmm. Like the cravings of the soul aren't good and bad in and of themselves, but how we choose to pursue them Mm-hmm. is what makes them so you know yeah. for an ex- you know a, um a good person reaches out it doesn't just try to hoard it but reaches out and tries to extend security and identity and independence and significance and to you mm-hmm. right whereas an evil person or a person we don't want to be around just sucks you dry and takes it mm-hmm. because of their own ego their own insecurity right. their own misguided attempts to have their soul satisfied they would they take security away from you and identity away from you and innocence away and significance away. They got to make you feel small in order to make them feel big. Right. But I don't just say that in a derogatory term because what happens is when we understand that 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 jerk, <laughs> you know, or that politician we don't like, or that boss that we constantly find you know to be someone we don't want to be around, their souls looking for identity, significance, and innocence, right? And I, you know, all, all the five cravings and they're looking for it in the wrong way. Right. But I, but at least I know what they're looking. They make sense to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And because they now make sense to me and I'm not just labeling them some, a narcissist or a sociopath or whatever words that we kind of throw out to label someone, which oftentimes we do to elevate ourselves, which right. is very human. We're, we're all, we've, we've all been there, but now that I understand them, I actually have a chance to be compassionate. I actually have a chance to to love them. I actually have a chance to to perhaps even be helpful mm-hmm. because I know that that boss um, who reams me out oh, because of, <laughs> I, I didn't hear it. Oh, right, okay. that boss who who seems grumpy and reaming people out that that's somewhere in there. His soul isn't finding what it's looking for. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, yeah. and that gives me the opportunity to have compassion because I now understand him. Yep. I completely agree with that because I've encountered many, many people um, without awarenesses and just, you know, 
different points in my life where I'm like, wow, that person's such a jerk. But like when I bring the lens of compassion in, it's like, wow, they had different levels of awareness and were projecting their insecurities out on other people. And I have more compassion for that yeah, because they didn't, they didn't even have the awareness that they were working from that framework of just that distorted mm -hmm. um, craving. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, and that's the interesting part, Sophia, because I, let me throw something else at you now. So we say, okay, human behavior can be understood by understanding the cravings of the soul, mm -hmm. security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. Mm -hmm. That's why my sister won't talk to me. Somehow when she talks to me, one of these things is triggered and it may or not be my fault, but right. somehow or other, um, the, one of these things is triggered. That's why my, my, my neighbor left their spouse. Again, I don't know. I don't have to know all the intricate details of their life, but I can tell you it has something to do with security, identity, independence, significance, or innocence, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why people join gangs, mm -hmm. right? That's that's why we do everything that that we do. But then there's a there's a a sixth element okay. that we we can throw into the mix that I think that we ha if we're going to be truly understand human behavior, and not just for understanding's sake, but for the sake of love and connection and the ability to work together, we have to acknowledge this next element. In, in, in faith circles, they call it sin. In psychological circles, we call it the fatal fantastic element. And that is to say, there is, and this is, it's indisputable throughout time. Mm -hmm. There is within all humanity a corrupting force that seeks to derail. Okay. And that it, it exists within each, if you give humans something beautiful, we will find a way to destroy it. It's a, it's a sad reality that, that is throughout time. Right. And so what we have is we have these five cravings that when pointed in the right direction are beautiful they are the source of peace and happiness. But then there's this fatal fantastic element lurking around with each one of us that we that we need to figure out how to manage. Right. And the success with which we manage it um, will determine whether we are safe people or unsafe people, whether we are healthy people or unhealthy people, um, whether we're people who own our stuff or people who kind of bask in a victim mentality um, or, or whatever it is, right? And so we have to understand that the, re the reason why we can't just say, oh, now that I know that I have these five cravings, I'm going to be happy, right? <laughs> because the truth of the matter is we have the fatal fantastic element within us, yeah. right? And and now that we have that awareness, right? Mm -hmm. like, again, it's, it's so much, it's all about awareness. Right. <laughs> now, right. now that we have the awareness, we have a chance to, to do something about it. Because you mentioned, you feel like you have this innate innocence and purity, right? And I think that, I believe that that is built into each one of us. That to a, that to a certain degree, that's the way we are designed. However, then then there is this fatal fantastic element that is con that constantly wants to disrupt, right? That constantly, and to a certain degree, we know it's there, which is why sometimes accusations hurt so bad because we know that we are a little bit guilty. My you know my attitude was bad. I was late. I didn't respond in the way I should have, or whatever whatever it is, right? Um, but now that we know what we're looking for, and now that we know what the opposition is, mm -hmm. we have a chance of finding it. And then all of a sudden, when we talk about the soul, or when we talk about spiritual things, it's not ambiguous, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not all out there. It can be defined. And because I can define it, I can pursue it and have a chance of, of actually apprehending it. And that's the biggest thing. I remember when I was probably about 12, um, my grandfather died and there was like lots of chaos in the family as a result of that. And I went to my minister and I said, how do you pray? And he said, you just pray. I'm like, I'm 12. Mm -hmm. I need instructions. Right. Please show me what I need to do. And, you know, 30 something years later, Greg Brayton describes it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense because I understand how to connect with the heart. I understand how to feel. I understand these things. Back then, I don't know if there was a language for it. I don't know if he knew how to answer it. Mm -hmm. And and so 
like, I bring this up because when we have the different aware, when we have greater awarenesses and we have the tools, we can actually implement them. I mean, it's all free will choice, but like for me, my, one of my greatest uh, passions in life is to uh, liberate as much of my subconscious as I possibly can in terms of programs and beliefs so I can be more of who I am. And I have been blessed with amazing friends who actually show me my shadow aspects. So they, they regularly show me, hey, you know, you got this thing here that like just want to show you that it's like distorting. Like, I love that because then I can see it and then I can love it into wholeness. That's just me. I, I love, well, let me rephrase it. I appreciate um being able to have friends like that so I can see those spots in me because I can't yeah. see everything. And I have lots and lots of tools to help me integrate those. The tools are so important on the journey of self-discovery without like yeah. we're flailing around if we don't have them. Yeah. Oh, and you, I think you just mentioned something that's so important and that is friends that care about you enough to actually do that for you. Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, I, I think a lot of people have friends that affirm them to death, mm-hmm. who aren't aren't good enough friends to say, "Hey, Sophia, this little that is my exactly yeah exactly." There's something hanging loose there, right? You might want to you might want to look into that, right? Yeah. And um, how many people have ruined their lives, uh, like in, at least in a temporary sense? Right. Be- because they were they did not surround themselves with good friends like that. Right. You know, they all they did was surround themselves with, you know, quote unquote, yes, men or people who were yeah. just like validated every feeling. I mean, we and we need that. We need yeah. we need. Oh, man, we need validation. We need. Oh, I'm, yeah, not, yeah, I'm yeah. not suggesting that that's bad, but I'm just saying we also need that friend who will point out that dark spot, that fatal, fantastic element and say, right. ah, right. And then. That's the only way I can get strong. That's the only way I can improve and grow is if I let right. people in my life like that. Right. And But it, because of our craving for innocence, a lot of us weed those people out. Because yeah, we cannot true. because because even when we are guilty, we don't want to hear it. Oh, I've I've been through the the process yeah. of like I for me, uh my journey has been like learning how to respond to triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had people just like, eh, and they have no idea what the trigger is. So like the initial ones are like, oh, that really hurt. Why did you hurt me? And then I realized you didn't even know I had that. Yeah. So how can I blame you for pressing something that I couldn't see that you didn't know was in me? Oh, shoot. That's on me now. Yeah. So now I get to be present to that and feel it. And that's, that's been like a four year journey of me, like really being present to like when I, feel the, oh, it doesn't feel good. It's like, okay, where in my body can I feel it and then be present to it? Um, thank the person mm-hmm. for pressing that button because I couldn't see it. Um, yeah. And then say, excuse me, I'm going to process this now instead of lashing out um, because I'm in a space where like, I love my, I love my being this very much. Ego is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. So Like when I feel that part of me, like trying to protect me, it's like, that's a behavior in me that is a protective mechanism that's trying to keep me safe. And I see it and I love it. But if it's really hitting me in here, that's something for me to look at. Yeah. Yeah. In my book, I talk about um, Mr. Despair and Little Miss Indignant. And they're again, they're flip sides. Mr. Despair says, Sophia, you are so guilty. You are so worthless. Why do you even try? Look at what you've done with your life. Constantly nattering in our ear. And we need friends and people who will be like, kick Mr. Despair out of our lives. Right. But then there's a little misindignant. I never do anything wrong. Nothing's my fault. I'm the best person that ever walked the earth. Mm -hmm. Right. Equally as poisonous, if not even more so. Right. right? And we and we need people in our lives that kick little misindignant out of our life, right? Because we oftentimes we we need friends. We're designed to live in connection, right. and um, we often don't have the strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's a Bible story talks about there's this battle that's raising, and as long as Moses is holding his hand, is the staff in the air, 
you know, they're winning. Um, but then his arms get tired and they go down. So um, <laughs> he has these two friends that run up to him and hold his hands up. Right. I, yeah. I say that. I just share that story to say we, we all need those people. Yeah to hold our hands up oh, right? Yeah. in those times when we're getting weak and tired. And, and sometimes again, that's against Mr. Despair, sometimes against little Miss Indignant. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like, because we need that balance. Otherwise we're, we don't have any, we're living in isolation and we don't have a sense of who we are. Yeah. Um, Cause the echo chamber can get pretty. I had, a, I saw an interview. I can't remember. I'm not a, I'm not a person who follows celebrities at all, but um but I saw this interview of this lady and I can't remember who it was. And, but um, she was talking about how she got divorced and her husband was really fighting for the marriage and she had walked away from the marriage. And it was years later and she was grieving over that. And mm -hmm. she said in the interview, she said, if I had different friends, mm -hmm. I think I would have stayed and I think we would have sorted things out and I think things would have been better. Mm -hmm. But it's how she associated that with friends because what she had was a bunch of little misindignants around her, right. right? People that were like, "You go, girl. You're right. He's a jerk. You're right. Everything he does is wrong, right?" And she, looking back, she's like, "Oh, I wish I had that friend right. who had said, oh man, is there is there even a small part that you could that you could work on, right?'" But she didn't have that, right? Right. So we need those. And, friends. and also being open to that too, because sometimes yeah. you know, I have I've had friends in my life where. I've been that voice of look at that and they're not able to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you become, they, they miss, they unfairly assign you as someone assaulting their innocence. Mm -hmm. Right. And, right. and you're not, you're doing what's healthy for them. And, but that's, that is where, like I said, our cravings become good or evil. Innocence craving as an example, it was designed to propel us towards right relationship, mm -hmm. good standing, with the people around us, with yeah. our maker, with society, mm -hmm. it was designed to propel us into that desire. But when we seek it in the wrong ways, right? I try to satisfy it through a victim mentality, through never being wrong, through incessantly de incessant defensiveness and constantly blaming you for everything, mm -hmm. right? And that is a very unhealthy way to live. Um, it's it's a cheap way to try to feel innocent, and it's a way that unfortunately doesn't last. Yeah. I've, I've I've met many people in my life like that. And yeah. Well, and I've been that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I can say like I I I know what it's like in my life. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I know what it's like to um, be abused, and I know what it's like to be the person who has hurt the people around me. Mm -hmm. And both of them are a deep pain. Yeah. Right. And um, I know what it's like to be on all sides. Of, mm -hmm. of this. I, I've been the hero and I've been the villain, mm -hmm. right? I've been the victim and I've been the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I can look back and wish that I was had just always been good. I'm I'm thankful now. Those those experiences, I believe, have rounded me into a person who now sees myself accurately. Um, and that way I can hopefully help others see themselves as well. Right. Yeah, I um one of my biggest gifts is uh a long, long history of codependency because mm. um, I couldn't see it. Yeah. And, you know, it's because I didn't feel like I could love myself enough. I needed to, to look outside of myself for that love. And once I started unwinding that after growing up with it and then having two long relationships with it, being single has been very helpful for me mm. <laughs> because mm. I see the patterns of like why I was looking outside of myself, why I didn't think I was worthy of my own love um, mm -hmm. into a space where I can be compassionate with myself. I can see the parts of me that are less by whatever standard pretty than other aspects. Yeah. But they're still me. Mm -hmm. I am a, I'm a mosaic of different things and yeah. some are good and some are bad, bad, but who's defining the bad and why do I perceive it? Like, why do I have that judgment towards it? If it's part of me mm. and just loving it into wholeness, it doesn't mean that that's going to be something I like I have uh, as an example, I have deep 
levels of anger that I've seen different levels of is still in here. It's not mm -hmm. separate for me. It's still here. Do I, do I judge it? Do I push it away? No, it's, it's part of me. Yeah. So understand. Well, and and anger is the anger is the negative side of passion. Right. You know, and, and when I'm not sure completely what you mean by loving, like loving it into wholeness, but I, I think if I, if I'm hearing you right to a certain degree, that would kind of be, I would view it in that sense where, um, if that anger can be loved in a sense, you know, to, to be turned and eventually morphed into passion, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Then that's a good and beautiful thing. Yeah. Right. And first is the acceptance of having it, right? Right. Yep. And then allowing it to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And then as it feels more safe, then it can stop holding on to that, that flip side of the passion and real and and just release that that shadow aspect of it more and more which is ultimately what what happens whenever i find something in me that is an, an emotion that hasn't been expressed it's like okay yeah. well where is this how am i feeling into it what does it really need yeah and so that's that's what i mean by loving it into mm -hmm. wholeness is because it's just you know we have all these different the aspects, light and dark, and they're all us. Yeah. And do I want anger? Well, no, unless I feel like I need to defend something that's innocent, but right. then it's more righteous than anger. Right. Um, well, that's the thing about the cravings. At times, they're like distinct and it's obvious. At other times, they're all blended together. And it's like, is this significance or is this innocence or, or what is this? Right. right. And I, I appreciate your story because I can tell you that in my the phrase um, codependent or the word codependent, I think is, it's kind of tricky nowadays because there's been so many different definitions towards it. The way that I have um, struggled and I believe overcome in my own life with it is um, to in, in one sense or definition of the phrase independence or um, codependence is when I, I struggle with identity in the sense that I have the idea, if there is no, there is no me, if there is no we, mm -hmm. right? Like my, my whole identity is wrapped up in you, right? Yeah. Like that's, and that's something that I've struggled with for my own childhood wounds, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I've really had to, to battle and say, and find that personal identity, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That is, and that to be honest, I, I think ultimately that's what makes a relationship really strong. Mm -hmm. It's not when you no longer have individual identities, but when you are individual identities intentionally entwined right. together, right? Codependency is bad, um, but um, um, that doesn't mean dependency is bad, right? right? As, lo as long right. as it's a healthy dependency. Right. Right. Yeah, so, like, that that state of like losing self to make somebody else happy, that's the yeah. unhealthy aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's a soul craving. You, you can't, it, it can't be sustained for long. Right. In that type of sense. Right? right. And ultimately, like I mentioned, these are non-biological cravings. So at the end of the day, they have to be satisfied in non-biological things. Right? right. You know, in my own personal view, I believe that we were designed to live in connection with our maker. And I'm, I have my, um, I'm a person of faith, so I have my personal beliefs, but I don't try to force them on people at this stage. Mm -hmm. I just want people to know you were designed to live in connection with, with that, which is much greater than yourself. Right. And if you're not living in connection with that, if your life is saying, okay, I'm going to find my security, my identity, you know, my um, independence, significance, innocence, in all the here's all the here's where the world looks constantly. We're we're so unimaginative. Money, for thousands of years, mm -hmm. and in, and you know what invariably happens, right? In my own small way, I I remember making twelve dollars an hour, mm -hmm. and I remember I remember clearly thinking, oh, if I could just make fifteen, I could be happy, and then you make fifteen. Oh, if I could just have 20, mm -hmm. I could be happy. And you make 20 and it just, it just keeps growing. It yeah. will not satisfy Elon Musk. The richest man in the world says not many people would want to be me. Right? right. So we look for it in wealth. We look for it in, in fame. Oh man. If you, if you look at the lives of stars out there, I'm sure there, of course there are benefits to it, but yeah. oh, the hurt that comes along with that. We think if I just had control, if I just had the power over the situation, if I was the one in charge, I could be happy. But 
It's never enough. That's the whole, here's, here's the problem. Here's what we do. I get control and I realize, oh shoot, I thought that would make me happy. You know what? I, th I think I need more control. Right. That's, like, that's what we do. I'll get a little bit more control. Mm -hmm. That'll make me happy. We get it. It's like, oh shoot, what do I need? Where did I go wrong? I need more control, right? It just, we just keep going back to these same places, more money, more fame, more control, more sex, more education, what, whatever it is. And it's never enough because we're, we're looking in all the wrong places. Right. Right. What we need yeah. to do is get out in nature. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is have that, that moment where we realize there is something bigger than, than me. Mm -hmm. And my life is more than my bank account. It's more than the number on the waist scale or the diploma on my wall. It is bigger. It is more beautiful. And when we have that awakening and that realization, it changes the way we live. It changes who we are. It changes. It gives us access to true joy, not just entertainment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found, um, I'll give an example. Last night, um, I'm living in a house with two other beautiful souls and uh, they put on blazing saddles and just the innocent, goofy, Yep. Humor of that was great. After that, they put on two other movies and I was like, I just can't. And I went upstairs and I was just quiet for the rest of the night because my soul was like, okay, one was good. Not three. Mm -hmm. Three feels like too much effort. And then I'm not in myself. I lose myself in the, in the entertainment and that doesn't feel good anymore. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. It's just like, for me, it's like, oh, that's too much. Yeah. Like, how do like, cause I could just feel myself disconnecting from me. Yeah. And so bringing that awareness in, I mean, it's a process for sure. Um, I know my coping mechanism as a kid was distraction. So I became a master at distraction. I'm really good at distraction. So if I catch myself distracting myself, and I need to, for like 20 minutes, I'll let myself distract myself. And then I'm like, okay, you're done what's the feeling you want to feel right now be present to that because it just doesn't feel good anymore but that is you that's you yep. understanding that when you feel those feelings it's like it's the i'll use the word spiritual i'm not sure that's the right word. it's the spiritual equivalent to hunger pains mm. your soul is telling you it needs nourishment mm -hmm. right and you are in tune enough to sense that yeah. and to then say okay it needs a meal. And mm -hmm. that and that meal has something to do with security, identity, independence, significance, right. innocence, right? right. Um, think like think even think about it in a biological sense, right? We have this amazing craving known as thirst. Mm -hmm. You know, we get thirsty and we have to go drink water. Mm -hmm. Imagine if we didn't have a craving for thirst. We would forget to drink water and right. we'd be dead in four days. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So what the thirst does is it actually propels us towards, you know, partaking of that, which gives us life. Hunger pains are the same thing, right? Yeah. Whereas I, I, I say to people, when you feel that anxiety or that fear or that bitterness or that anger or whatever it is, it's your soul. It's a, it's a spiritual hunger pain. Your soul is telling you it needs nourishment and you have to figure out how to feed it. It's not just a psychological thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to diminish psych the you know psychological or the biological. We are three part beings, and while we are here on Earth, we are they're interconnected. You know, you you can't harm one without harming the other, mm -hmm. right? But I I just say this because we as a culture seem to to a certain degree worship at the altar of the psychological, and we are so much more, and we are so much deeper. And as long as we're just digging around you know, prefrontal cortexes and dopamine and serotonin, you know, we won't find the answer to why. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the why is bringing in those levels of peace and joy and beingness. Yeah. And yeah. well, and, and not only that, but think of peace as an example. Remember I said, I wanted to define things. Yeah. Peace, peace is not something that we can define for ourselves. I'll tell you what requires peace. Security, identity, independence, significance, innocence. And here's the thing. With peace, all five of them have to be satisfied simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And that's why, and that's why moments, we seem to just have moments of peace. 
peace mm-hmm. seems so fleeting. Like we experience it for an afternoon or even maybe on a vacation or something like that. We experience it for two whole weeks, right? And then it's gone Be- because it requires that all five are satisfied simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. I can, again, I can feel safe in my home, very secure, safe in my relationships. I can know who I am, right? I can feel a, a strong, healthy um, independence, but if someone is making me feel small and insignificant, I'm not at peace. Right. Right. Or I can feel innocent and righteous and good about myself. I can feel like I am special. I can feel like I walk in freedom. But if I feel like someone's breaking into my home, I don't have peace. Mm-hmm. They all have to be satisfied simultaneously. Yeah. Right. And and the, here's the the trick, as Elon Musk told us, essentially, without meaning to tell us, right? There is nothing on earth that can satisfy these cravings simultaneously for any length of time. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look for something bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, as I mentioned, I'm a person of faith, but my goal isn't to try to tell people wh- what that is. What I say to you is now that you know what you're looking for, you have a chance of finding it. Go look. Yeah. So, Right, because faith is truly an individual journey. Yeah. And to bring uh, to bring the spirit into the awareness of our wholeness and understanding how to connect with it to have that balance is so paramount to yeah. fully experiencing life. Yeah. And that's why, again, you see this happening all the time in stardom, mm-hmm. right? There's someone gets famous. Mm-hmm. So they have all the money they never knew they could have, all the you know, all the fame, all the sex, all the opportunity, and doesn't bring them peace. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes what happens is they get political. All, all of a sudden, the movie star is trying to tell us how to vote, right? And, the, uh, and they think that'll bring them happy. It, it doesn't bring them happiness. And then ultimately, Ultimately, they turn to some form of spirituality, right? You know, very often, or like so many of us, we just turn to either entertainment or to different types of sub- substances to dull the pain, right? Of of not finding that peace that yeah. we were designed to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't like masking anything. So. Yeah. And you're great at not doing it. You know, speaking of energy, I love the energy you have. I love the honesty that you have, you know, about about sharing those dark parts within you, right? And yeah. and having friends around you who will both affirm the light, yeah. you know, and bring attention to the dark, right? I, not for the purpose of condemnation and walking no, away, but no. for the purpose of growth and right. health and all those things we need. Yeah. I spent a lot of time cultivating that. <laughs> yep. I've had people just like denigrate me and it's like, well, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel good. Like, is that constructive for my soul? No, that's, that's, you should, it's, you're projecting your stuff onto me. Yeah. And that just doesn't feel good for either one of us. But like, if you genuinely see something in me that doesn't look like it's the soul essence of me, please let me know. Right. I'll probably cry a little if it hurts and thank you. I might not talk for you for the weekend. (laughs) No, it's only like 10, 15 minutes. It's not that yes. bad. But like, it's like, okay, thank you. That really hurts inside. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything. So let me just excuse myself, mm-hmm. process, and then I'll be back when I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that it, it's just become a way of being for me because I don't like repressing feelings anymore. Right. I don't like not feeling right. so... And then it's that fine line between like that's a good person who will who will come alongside us and help us with those awarenesses, but then there's the the fine line to cross over to a bad person, who is is someone who will just point out your flaws, in a fraudulent effort to make themselves feel more righteous. Yeah, I grew right? up in Pembroke County, Connecticut. I used to know that so well. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How can I put you down to make myself feel better? That none of that feels good. Yeah, none of that feels good. Yeah. So, but happily, I don't have any of that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's called discernment. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Corey, wow. This is just 
I am so enjoying your beingness and I mm -hmm. thank you so much. Well, it's just been a delight being here with you today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. And I want to ask you one more question or two more sure. questions. First, sure. how can people find you and where can they find your book? Sure. Um, the simplest way to find me is just visiting my website, CoreyRozenke.com. You can learn more about me. You can even contact me through the website. Um, and there's some links um, to the book from there. The book is available worldwide, kind of everywhere. So if you just type the magnetic heart of God, you know, or Corey Rosanke, you know, into whatever Google search engine or whatever search engine you use, it, it'll show up at a, at a store near you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my brother, for your light, for your beingness, for all the work you've done in the world. And I look forward to seeing how you continue to expand what you're doing. Thank you, Sophia. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your time and your platform. You are so very welcome. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it flow